Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Plains on the Prairie podcast. I'm Max. And I'm Sam. And today we have a, a, you know, I'd say a really cool, interesting story um, about our third to last uh, North Dakota ace, uh, Lieutenant Commander Harvey uh, Pickin. Yeah, this was um, a fun one to research. Well, the sorry for the hiatus, guys. We've been busy, but we also wanted to make sure this episode went right. We uh, found some more information that uh, a, guy, a gentleman named Mike uh, from a Facebook post or Facebook page I stumbled upon just while researching uh, basically dedicated to Fighter Squadron 18, which is a squadron pick and serve for. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's just extensive amount of research on pretty much everybody in the squadron. Yeah. I, I just figured I'd Facebook message him see what he had on picking and we got a lot more than I expected. Absolutely. And we'll, uh, I mean, we could either talk about it now or we could talk about it at the end. I'd yeah. say, should we just mention off the bat who we got in touch with? Yeah. So Mike Fink, uh, again, is the moderator of that Facebook, uh, Facebook page. And, um, he got in touch with Jackie case, the daughter of Harvey Pickin, which was incredible. I mean, she, gave us full consent to use these photos and, you know, she provided some info as well, which was just invaluable to us. I mean, we, we got too much information probably to fit into a podcast. So if you want extra info, definitely hop over to that Facebook page. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. This is the first time that we've had um, a living family member of any of our aces, you know, maybe not reach out to us, but provided us with such a treasure trove of information uh, not on just, you know, Harvey's military career, but his post-war life and, you know, his exploits during World War II. And we're honored to be able to share his story with you guys today. Exactly. So this episode goes out to Jackie. Thank you. Hopefully you can get a listen on this. We'll uh, make sure to send it to Mike as well. The Absolutely. link. So thank you to both of you. Absolutely. Well, without further ado, should we jump right in yeah let's dig in all right so um harvey peter pickin was born on april 15th 1916 in minot north dakota um and for people that don't know north dakota geography uh minot is oh gosh um i know hours i don't know miles but it's about yeah it's about four four and a half miles northwest of fargo right so um, for, you know, back in the 19, 1900s and 1920s, that'd probably be a couple day trip by horse. I would imagine Yeah, it's it. a trip. I mean, yeah. yeah, especially before the highways and interstate mm-hmm. systems came to be, it is out in the boondocks and, you know, many people we've covered Minot in the past, uh, with Minot air force base yep. being up there. Uh, however, Minot air force base did not exist in 1916. No. It was, it was rural far, farm country, and yeah. it was small. Uh, however, they did have the Minot State Teachers College, uh, from which Peter, or excuse me, I read it, read, blah, can't talk, uh, I read his middle name. Um, Harvey graduated from there in May of 1940, and it didn't take long for him to uh, join the U.S. Navy in December of 1940. And he was initially trained at Wold Chamberlain Field in Minneapolis, which we've covered um, during our North Dakota ACES series in the past. Um, And he uh, later was transferred to Naval Air Station Pensacola, where he earned his wings of gold and was commissioned as an ensign in August of 1941. 
Um, so I think I saw he initially served as a instructor pilot, right? Yes. And, you know, this would have been around the time that the war was kicking off. We had talked a little bit about um, how pilots were usually kept stateside if they had experience. Right. And well, with his early commission, you know, prior to Pearl Harbor, that probably um, was the case with Pickett. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you had any previous experience, it was invaluable. I mean, you don't, you know, again, getting into that um, philosophy with pilot usage between the two sides and ended up working really well. Absolutely. Uh, So yeah, he served as an instructor pilot in Florida and Alabama and then was later reassigned to Aerial Photographic School at, of all places, Pearl Harbor um, on the island of Oahu in Hawaii. Um, So after Aerial Photographic School, which I couldn't find much on, like, were they training them to take photos of, like, you know, enemy coastal positions or... It was all around reconnaissance. I mean, I was just reading a book about Joe Foss. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and we'll probably get into him at some (laughs) point here with our sticking to the prairie you know but um yeah there was and he was a marine pilot but yeah yeah, they mounted uh cameras in different spots on different aircraft i believe in the wildcat it was towards the tail or sorry the hellcat excuse me it's towards the tail end um but yeah they took pictures of whatever you know they typically were unarmed we're going to find out later yeah Uh, wasn't always the case (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah that's pretty interesting there and uh yeah he was um this will take over here i guess uh, he was attached to, to vf-18 from their fighting squadron 18 mm-hmm. or the uss intrepid so and then uh they went on the cruise in late 1944 absolutely yeah um so he scored his first victory on september 10th 1944 when he downed a mitsubishi ki-46 is it dina or dana dina dina um and, you know, what made this first kill and all of his kills really impressive is, like you said earlier, he's a photo recon pilot. Yeah. So usually photo recon Hellcats either carried very little armament or most time no armament at all just to save weight. And speed. And you speed. to get out of there. Yeah. So the Hellcat, as many of our listeners probably know, isn't the fastest bird you had in the Pacific. Mm-hmm. So. But, I mean... I think we all can agree the Hellcat could dish it out. Oh, it, and, and it could take. Yes. So, But I, I don't know how his superiors would have taken hearing Pickin did what in yeah. a dogfight and an aerial re- – and I, I assume they were a special variant, I believe, the F6F5P, right? Yep, yeah, they were a special. They, there weren't many of them on board typically – We've got an expert possibly listening to this right now. <laughs> there were not many. I think two usually really? attached to a squadron. So if one had yeah. gone down, that would be a pretty yeah, big it's, loss. It's high risk. Yeah. Yeah. And then, well, the nice thing about the Dyna is it's they're typically unarmed. Mm-hmm. So, and the Dyna was a very fast aircraft when it came in. Wildcats couldn't catch up to them. Pretty much we had nothing to catch up to them. And they also flew at high altitude. Yeah. So... Uh, once the Hellcat came in, as as you know from reading up quite a bit yourself, things changed. Yep, so. absolutely. Yeah, the Dinas are I, they're one of my favorite. I'd say Japanese planes of the Second World Sweet. War. They're 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 cool. I think one of them, only one, is still around in England. I, I believe. believe so. Yeah, yeah, very neat. 
so his second kill, or yeah, his second kill came three days later on the 13th when he, he uh, scored another kill against a Mitsubishi F1M Pete float plane. So, yeah, and I don't know if you saw the news. I don't remember where it was, but they found like five fuselages. Yeah. I think, did I send that to you? You did. Yep. Yeah. That's just amazing. Sorry <laughs> for the sidebar there. But hopefully, one of them, yeah. some rich guy picks him up. And you'll find with the rest of these victories, he's got quite a mixed bag as well. Kind of like, uh, was it Czech, I believe? Yeah. Had he had a, a really mixed bag. And well, I, I don't think he scored a zero until his, I don't even know what kill that would have been. His yeah, check and, um, and uh, what's his name? Uh, Heinzen. They both had some. Yeah. Kind of, it's fun <laughs> to see what different stuff. But. So his uh, his third kill came on the 21st, all within you know the same month of September. Um, he shot down two G4M Betty bombers, which are pretty famous, I'd mm-hmm. say. Um, and then a Kawasaki KI-64 Tony and a Nakajima KI-49 Helen. Um, so... You're going from, you know, a Betty, and I believe Tony's are pretty... Yeah, the KI-61s, they're basically, they had the Daimler-Benz license built. They're 61, okay, I yeah. okay. Yeah, basically, it's, a lot, they're always misidentified as 109s. Really? That, if you hear all those accounts, oh, I swear there's a 109. <laughs> Some, most of them are the KI-61s, mm-hmm. because they're the ones with the uh, inline engine, yeah. a little different than... Um, and did they yeah. did the Germans give those plans to the Japanese? So it was a license build. It was kind of like um Ford license build uh B24 oh, and, gotcha. and GM and doing all these other license build things. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same logic there. Interesting. But yeah, that was all over Clark Field, according to my research. Yep, that's what I got which too. Is pretty cool. I mean, right over the Philip, right over where a lot of this started, you know. Absolutely. And at that time, would the field have been in Japanese hands? Yes, at this point, I believe it would be. Yeah. Gotcha. It makes you wonder. I mean, I assume, you know, Clark Field has been raised and mm-hmm. stuff like that over the years, but you know, I know it was in operation through the 70s and 80s. So right. Well, I'm, who... I'm currently reading a book over sitting over there called Air Apaches, about the 345th Pong Group. And there's a count or account at the end there where the, the forewords by a, a son of a, a, a pilot from the bomb group mm-hmm. towards the end of the war. I mean, they were there, there in the fifties actually, and just walking around and the, the dad just talked, thinking over his memories. It was pretty cool. Absolutely. That's the special, special thing. That's for sure. Um, so that later that same day, so the 21st, I think he went back to the intrepid to refuel and rearm. He came back to the philippines and shot down another tony so if by my math is correct that's two bettys uh ki61 and then a ki6 ki49 and then another tony that makes him an ace in a day in a day yeah plus so he's at seven at that yeah so so that's crazy and that makes two north dakota natives that became aces in a day right i mean that is that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Like, yeah. That is awesome. Um, so the following day on September 22nd, he shot down his first A6M Zeke, or more famously known as the Zero. Um, and then interestingly, uh, I think I skip here a little bit, but yeah, um, kind of a sidebar, but the USS Intrepid, um, you, you've been to New York before? Or I have not. No. You're not. Um, the USS Intrepid is on display there um, right along. I think it's the Hudson River. Don't quote me on that, but um, still around. 
And I remember I had visited it when I was on a spring break back in high school. And our tour guide said that um, one of the most infamous moments in the history of the Intrepid was a kamikaze hitting the ready room for the pilots and killing, oh gosh, I don't know how many of them, which is terrible. Um, amazingly, I think he said it in an account that he was just leaving that room right before that happened. That's crazy. And I think I think I got this from like a Minot newspaper, but that he said that that was the closest he's ever come to death. Not fighting against the Japanese in a photo recon Hellcat, but surviving a near miss from a kamikaze, which right. is absolutely crazy. Um, so Pickin was promoted to lieutenant commander in 1945, and he would go on to shoot down three more enemy aircraft, which were all part of my pronunciation, Yokosuka, Yokosuka, Yokosuka D4Y Judy dive bombers. Um, I love saying that word, by the way, that is so cool. <laughs> Yokosuka. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, he ended the war with 11 kills uh, against aircraft. And I believe he had three kills on the ground. Yeah. He had a really extensive. Yeah. We, actually one of the things to Mike, we have yep. a full, yeah, we have 11 aerial, aerial victories, four planes on the ground four damaged and uh, destroyed or damaged two locomotives which he actually did uh pre pre-war was a locomotive fireman oh really for great northern <laughs> which uh mike also provided here it's the two locomotives three assists on shipping vessels sunk and seven assists on shipping vessels damaged and countless photos with mm-hmm. his recon stuff so quite the that is record. that is one very impressive resume for a Navy photo recon pilot. Yeah, and in addition to that, he was also the lead photo officer for Fighter Squadron 18. Oh, really? So um, we'll probably put this all in a post. I, I think we should yes. probably do a yep. multiple photo, but Mike provided some really cool reconnaissance photos um, of uh, different positions on Leyte. And um, yeah, it's really cool and that their work was used used by MacArthur's staff in mm-hmm. invasion planning. So it's very that is, pivotal stuff. That is, so. you know, the North Dakota connection right there. That is awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. So Pickin was released from the Navy in November of 1945 and returned to Minot, where he worked for the Great Northern Railroad Company before owning and operating the Brown Derby and then later Harvey's Lounge, which were both located in Minot throughout the 1960s and 70s. Um, he would go on to have several other business ventures before he passed away on March 18th, 1997 at the age of 80. So a pretty remarkable, very remarkable career for one of my Knott's native sons. I would oh, yeah. say that's, you know, Quite the record. a photo recon pilot, 11, a double ace. We shouldn't have been, shouldn't have been, I mean, it probably shouldn't have been there. Probably got a good reprimand the first time, but. It makes me wonder, so these photo recon pilots, would they ever be like, okay, you're going up in a standard five model today, or you're always flying the 5P? You're probably already always flying the 5P. The F4S7 was also the predecessor to that photo recon, um, just because that's what their job was. I mean, even even this, you know, different fighters were always outfitted with that. I mean, with the cameras, going up and just doing recon with your memory is really hard. Yeah. You're not oh, yeah. You know, think about something you did 10 minutes ago or every detail you had for breakfast. 
that's hard to do i can't unless remember you really like breakfast yeah but, <laughs> but yeah that's it was just one heck of a career absolutely really amazing and it's kind of funny i was probably saw me ruffling through here most door aces are from the northwest uh part of the state which is really crazy mm-hmm. absolutely yeah, that's, in the they raised, population part they of the raised state. a different breed out there yeah that's for sure so yeah, we'll segue from his career, combat career and post-war career, All right. to the squadron. So again, like I said at the beginning of the episode, you're going to really want to dig in to that fighting squadron 18 page. Give it a like. There's a lot of these really Support cool. Them. Yeah, oh, these, yeah, these type of squadron pages are really cool. We, well, we used that for our Bacchus episode last, absolutely. last time. And you know, that's that's something that I feel like people don't really appreciate is you know, there are Facebook groups dedicated to this, you know, super niche information. And, you know, all the group members usually have a personal connection to the squadron or are just super passionate about it. Mm-hmm. And I, I I think I've learned more from Facebook groups than a lot of books oh, in yeah. the past couple of years. And, you know, a lot of that is coming from guys or girls that either have, like I said, a personal connection but we're actually there. And that's that's something that you can't beat. Right. And you never know what you're going to find in those pages. That's it's crazy. Yeah. So VF18, just we're going to gloss over it a little bit. Just like I said, there's so much information that we've been provided. Don't know what to do with. You know? <laughs> so we'll kind of keep it similar to the rest of our episodes. So VF18 was established March 5th, 1944, a later one. Um, so a lot of these other squadrons are 43, 42. Mm-hmm. Um Boarded the USS Intrepid in August 1944, and uh, quite the record, it uh, downed 172 aircraft in the air in that short period of time, and uh, 208 on the ground, and over 30 merchant shipping or merchant uh, oh, really? merchant ships sunk. So yeah, all in until it was disestablished December 20th of 1944. So in 44, yeah, four months. In that four yeah, month span, impressive. that's very yeah. impressive. Well, and then they were reformed January 1945, and uh, they're actually equipped with, they're still stateside, but they were equipped with FAF Bearcats, one of the first squadrons to be equipped with them. And then they were later disestablished weeks later after mm-hmm. the end of the war. But yeah. um, quite the career, uh, I got to read it. There's a book on the Intrepid I got from the Air Museum in the used book section that I really got to read now, I think, after you have my to. current book. Absolutely. But um, yeah, just super cool. Um. Yeah, and then as for F six F five Ps, there aren't any as I as I know. Not surviving. I don't know if you could find anything, mm-hmm. but F six F five, we got one just down the road. And fighters. like I said earlier, the Intrepid itself yep. is still around. Yep. So you gotta check that out. If you ever find yourself in New York City, it's it is so worth the stop. They have a World War Two era. They have a TBM Avenger and a recent um exhibit documents the the life and sacrifice of a corsair pilot oh wow. and they recovered his a propeller and bits and pieces of his corsair from a swamp i believe actually in the philippines too really? so really really impactful stuff um yeah i, I kind of a, another random segue here but the uh soon to be former curator for the intrepid actually stopped by the air museum oh, wow. not too long ago and i got to talk with him and his wife and Super nice guy, amazing, super knowledgeable on stuff, and yeah. So having that, having been on the Intrepid, this podcast, actually meeting the 
you know, the guy that's has my job on a much bigger museum ship, a ship of all places. Yeah. It, I was just, you know, it's never know who you're going to meet. Exactly. Yeah. That can't even say it. Well, it's good timing, right? So absolutely. Yeah. Well, this was our 10th already. So, and we were only supposed to have nine. So, yeah. so we've, we've definitely found a few extra ones for yeah, you guys. Can't complain. So we have two left. Got some really fun ones left. Yeah. Uh, I think we saved the last three or the last three, including picking, I think are probably our most interesting. I'd they're say, all cool, but yeah, this, yeah, yeah, it's, they're pretty rich in history yeah, here. So absolutely. So yeah, well, thanks for wa- or listening, I guess. Yeah. Watching if you did watch the YouTube soundbar, <laughs> I guess. But um, yeah, we'll see you next week yep. with another really fun one. And again, thanks to Mike and Jackie for all the help with Thank you this research. So much. This couldn't, couldn't have done it without you guys. Absolutely. All right. We'll take it easy. Yep. We'll see you next time.